This audio presentation was pre-recorded and edited for brevity and clarity. Hello, and Happy New Year. Welcome to the first Bright Focus Glaucoma Chat of 2023. My name is Diana Campbell, and I am pleased to be here with you today. For those who are new to the call, Bright Focus Glaucoma Chats is a monthly program in partnership with the American Glaucoma Society, and the program is designed to provide people living with glaucoma and the family and friends that support them with information provided by glaucoma experts. The American Glaucoma Society counts the leading glaucoma specialists in the country in their membership, and we are looking forward to hearing them discuss many topics during the chat series over the next year. For those who may not be familiar with, familiar with Bright Focus Foundation, we fund some of the top scientists in the world who are working to find better treatments and ultimately cures for glaucoma, macular degeneration, and Alzheimer's disease. And we do events like today's chat to get the latest news from science as quickly as possible to families that are impacted by these diseases as well. You can find much more information on our website, www.brightfocus.org. Okay, with all the housekeeping out of the way, I'm pleased to introduce today's guest, Dr. Constance Okeke. Dr. Okeke is a glaucoma and cataract specialist at CVP Physicians, Virginia Eye Care Consultants. She has two decades of glaucoma experience, ranging from cutting-edge research, mastering micro-invasive surgical techniques, to training other doctors, speaking, and writing about her techniques and innovative ideas. Dr. OKK passionately pre prevents blindness through medical, mi medical missions, glaucoma awareness campaigns, and public speaking. She is committed to educating her patients and the community about how to fight glaucoma blindness. Today, we'll share some tips and other information from her recently published book, The Glaucoma Guidebook. Dr. Okeke, thanks so much for joining us today. Hello, Diana. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here, and happy Glaucoma Awareness Month. Happy Glaucoma Awareness Month. Uh, let's see. Um, I, I first wanted to ask you, before we get into the nitty-gritty, I imagine you keep yourself pretty busy as a, both a professor and a practicing glaucoma specialist. What inspired you to become an author, too, and write the Glaucoma Guidebook? Well, that's a great question. I got inspired to write this book because of seeing that there was a need. Uh, as a glaucoma specialist, I often see patients, and sometimes it's a sad story where I'll see a patient who's come to me with uh, somewhat advanced glaucoma, and with glaucoma, once damage is done, we don't have a way right now of being able to reverse it. And sometimes I'll hear a story of that they had been seen before, and someone said maybe they had something, but nothing that needed to be treated, uh, and uh, they weren't really clear on what their follow-up should be. And now seeing them maybe several years later, uh, there's a lot of glaucoma damage. And there's a lot of things that I like to tell my patients. I'm, I'm very big on educating. And the reality is, is that I don't have time in the day to be able to tell every patient everything I want them to know. And so it dawned on me that a great way to communicate and share a lot of the tools and really basic um, language uh, language that is to educate and not intimidate the patient, but to help them feel empowered about understanding the foundation knowledge that they need to understand their condition, and then to be able to communicate better with me, the doctor, ask 
questions because they have some of that knowledge. Um, I wanted to put it all in one place. And then also my pearls of advice, advice that I feel like every patient should know because there are really uh, action items that patients should know about so they can protect their vision. And I wanted to put it in a way where it was very easy to read. I didn't want patients to feel overwhelmed. I wanted them to be able to pick up the book, feel like it's ha like they're having a conversation, feel enlightened, feel empowered, and then also feel encouraged. So I included some of my uh, five of my glaucoma patients uh, to write some about, uh, about their story in the book so that it could have a balance of my advice, but also a real world advice from glaucoma patients. So um, people reading it could feel encouraged and then lots of practical pearls and tips and areas for deeper dives. So I was inspired because there was a need and I'm really excited about the book because I feel like it's fulfilling the need that it was intended for. What a wonderful way to provide all that advice that you wish you could give to each person in a, in a short visit into one guidebook, really truly a guidebook where they can follow along, reread it, not worry about taking notes um, necessarily as, as in-depth in your office. I think that was such a wonderful idea. Um, I'm going to start with Thank a few you. questions. Uh-huh. I'm going to start with a few questions um, kind of starting at the beginning of the journey. Um, who is at risk for being diagnosed with glaucoma, and how does your family history relate to that risk? Well, the reality with glaucoma is that really anyone can develop glaucoma. Anyone at any age, uh, any ethnicity, any gender can develop glaucoma. However, yes, there are certain people who are at higher risk. Uh, one important risk is, is increasing age. Uh, glaucoma gets more and more prevalent as one ages. Uh, because we're born with a certain finite amount of glaucoma nerve, or I'm sorry, optic nerve tissue. And as we age, some of that tissue will naturally die off. That's just part of the natural aging process. But typically, that process is slow. But as you age in years, um, there's more of a chance that um, some of that tissue will die off, maybe enough to the point where it can cause um, some level of a problem with your vision. So. Increasing age is one risk factor. Um, also, um, certain ethnicities. Uh, it's known that um, glaucoma uh, it can be more aggressive in certain um, ethnicities, like in African-American population. Um, the risk of developing blindness can be six to eight times more than Caucasian populations. Um, there's also an increased exponential um, uh, prevalence of glaucoma in the Hispanic population as they reach ages um, above 60. Um, there's certain different types of glaucoma. You might have heard of open-angle glaucoma versus narrow or closed-angle glaucoma. Well, in the United States, the open-angle type is much more common than the narrow-angle type, but in certain Asian populations, um, the prevalence of narrow-angle glaucoma is much, much higher. So, um, again, there are different um, um, ethnicities that can increase um, the risk of glaucoma. And then family history is a big one. We know that there's a large genetic component to uh, glaucoma development. Um, as uh, there is a family history, blood relatives, uh, they have increased risk uh, up to four to nine times that of the general population. Um, siblings are the highest. Um, you can expect that um, one in eight relatives of someone who has glaucoma is likely to have it also. So family history is a big component, and that's part of the reason why we encourage 
um, people with a diagnosis of glaucoma to share it with their family members, not to be seen as a burden, but to be seen as a gift. Um, because the earlier glaucoma is diagnosed, uh, the easier it is to treat. And it's much better to be screened for glaucoma early. And if you don't have it or there's, there's healthy nerve tissue, great. Um, but if you, you do have it, um, it's best to be caught early so that one can um, help uh, continue seeing for the rest of their lifetime. I think that's great, looking at it like a gift and not as a burden. Um, and I, I've heard personally that some people don't necessarily like to scare their relatives, so they don't want to tell them. Do you have any specific advice, or would you just phrase it exactly how you said, you know, I'm giving you a gift um, of saving your sight by telling you this? What would you suggest? Yeah, I, I think that it's, it's, a, it's a great opportunity when family members gather in large settings. So, like, if there is some, like, all the holidays and people get together or, let's say, there's a, a birthday and people are getting together and you just gather people around and it's, it's more of a let's not to be heavy, but sharing is caring. And I want to share with you the fact that I have a certain eye condition. Um, my eye condition is, is being di has been diagnosed and it's being treated, uh, thankfully. Um, but I understand that because I have it, there's a possibility that people who are related to me could have it too. And it's not that I want to scare anybody, but I understand that when you learn, uh, if you, when you get screened early, um, and if you do have it, the earlier that it's caught, the easier it is to treat. And so that one can keep seeing, uh, have the best chance of keeping, uh, keeping the site well uh, during their lifetime. And so I just want to educate you and encourage you to get your eyes checked. And then uh, beyond that, when you do get your eyes checked, make sure that you tell that eye doctor that you're getting your eyes checked because you specifically want to be looked for um, or checked out for glaucoma. Because sometimes I might just go in for a routine eye exam and, you know, kind of, look at the back of the eye really quickly, but when you hear that term family history, we have a tendency as eye doctors to look a little bit more keenly at the structures of the eye where optic uh, or glaucoma is affecting and might be a little bit more keen to do maybe a few tests in order to check it out a little bit more thoroughly. So it's important to mention that when you're getting your eyes examined. And that's an important conversation to have. It doesn't have to be heavy. And it, it doesn't have to burden anybody, but it's more of I want to take care of you and I love you and I want to do my best to help you have a lifetime full of great vision. Absolutely. And I know sometimes people uh, get confused with the alphabet soup of, of vision professionals. Um, so for this type of exam, you'd want to be seeing either an optometrist or an ophthalmologist, right, and not an optician that's kind of just measuring you for glasses. Correct, correct. Okay. Optometrists um, are skilled to be able to look at the back of the eye and assess for whether or not glaucoma is present or if it's, if it's suspicious. Uh, there are some optometrists who are trained and skilled to be able to monitor and follow glaucoma, especially when it's in the early to mild um, or moderate stages. Um, but optometrists work very closely with ophthalmologists 
who are the ones that um, can provide in more, even more in-depth um, evaluations or also um, do procedures if needed uh, for patients. Uh, so yes, an optometrist or ophthalmologist is the best uh, start to be able to evaluate to see if there's any signs of glaucoma inside the eye. And it takes a comprehensive eye exam in order to be able to look for it. Absolutely. Um, could you just really quickly describe what a glaucoma suspect is? Yeah, so when when we talk about glaucoma, uh, we look at the structure in the eye called the optic nerve. And the optic nerve should look round, kind of like a donut. So you have a nice thick rim, and on the inside, um, there's an area that we call the cup. It's kind of like the hole of the, the donut. So that's an area where there's not as much uh, nerve tissue but the rim should be nice and full and thick, full of rim tissue. So what happens in glaucoma is that rim of tissue starts to get thin. And as it gets thin, that means that you're losing tissue. It's dying off, okay? And so like the donut rim is getting thinner and thinner. And as the rim gets thinner, the center part that we call the cup gets bigger, okay? And we call that cupping, that process cupping. Okay. Now, if I look inside someone's eye and I see that, hmm, that nerve, that rim of tissue, that disc rim, it looks kind of thin. That makes me suspicious for glaucoma. So at that point, I will do some other tests to evaluate how well this eye is seeing. We do a certain test called a visual field. It kind of gives us a map of how well that eye is seeing. And if it has really good function and it sees really well, and then we have tests that can further evaluate that optic nerve and look at the disc rim, if that, those tests show that there's, even though it looks thin, that there's still a lot of healthy nerve tissue, then we call that person a glaucoma suspect a suspect of someone we're not ready to actively treat for glaucoma, but we're going to keep our eye on you, checking you every maybe six months to a year to check to see if there's any changes. If there are changes on our testing, then we will intervene and help protect that nerve tissue. If things are stable when we see you back, then we just keep watching. But that's what a glaucoma suspect is, someone who looks a bit suspicious for glaucoma, but they're healthy enough for us to just watch and not treat. Gotcha. That makes perfect sense. I know people have been confused about that in the past, too. Um, so I was really struck by something, um, you know, an example that you shared in your book. Um, you talked about glaucoma being sneaky and mentioned that a person can still have 20-20 vision and have advanced glaucoma. Um, could you discuss that a little bit more, and how does that look in the early stages? Um, so I guess the follow-up to that is if you have 20-20 vision, you're still at risk and get the eye exam. Um, but aside from that, how does, how does that happen? <laughs> what does it look like in the early stages when that's the case? You're still seeing well, but, you know. You yeah, so, so you could actually, what I talked about before about having an optic nerve, and we were born with a certain finite amount of nerve tissue. And you could actually lose even up to half of your nerve tissue and still be perfectly fine. But when it goes past a certain reserve, that's when you start to notice, that's when, you know, certain changes in the vision start to occur. However, still those changes in the vision are still typically in places where we're not, 
paying attention to, okay? So when we look at something directly, we're looking at, centrally at it, okay? It's in our, our direct line of sight. But there's all this vision that we have that's on the side or what we call the periphery that we are really not paying that much attention to because we don't really need to because we're just focused on what's ahead, okay? But what happens in glaucoma is that the nerve tissue, as it gets damaged, it starts to create blind spots. And those blind spots are more like a haze. It's not like just like a dark blob all of a sudden that you, you really would notice. It's just kind of like a, a little haze. But that little haze is, again, out in the side vision, not where you're paying attention to. So you could actually, you know, just keep focused on the, the center of what's ahead of you and not really notice that you're starting to lose some of that side vision, okay? And glaucoma is sneaky because it just does it slowly, gradually, subtly, working its way typically towards the center. Okay, and as it's working its way towards the center, you might start to see signs. Like, for example, I'll, I'll have patients say that, oh, I keep, you know, feeling like someone just came up on me, like come out from nowhere. Or when I'm driving, it just seems like something comes out from nowhere. Or I feel like I'm tending to, you know, drive towards one side. Or I had a problem where I hit, you know, the, the side of the car on the curb because I didn't see it. There might be signs, but you might say, oh, that's just me being, you know, getting older, or that's just, you know, just a random event. But sometimes those are early signs that something is actually happening. But the reason why your vision in the, it could be 2020, is that if that side vision is getting worse and worse and worse and going towards the center, it's usually the center that's the last to go. And in that center, even if it's tunnel vision, one could actually see 2020 in that area, okay? And it's really sad because when I say this is so subtle, I can have patients who will walk into my office with advanced, with, let's say, moderate to advanced glaucoma and not even realize they really had a problem because they're just, that, that gradual process has happened. And with both eyes open, sometimes with one eye is really good and the other eye is really damaged, but with both eyes open, you may not even pay attention to the fact that one eye is damaged. And that's another, another, <laughs> another confusing aspect because your brain wants you to see as well as you can. So it will fuse images from the two eyes and really kind of lean on the one that sees better. And if you never do an, a, a simple test of just checking one eye versus the other to see if there's a difference between the two, then you may never know that you actually have a problem in one eye. That's actually something that I write about in my book. Um, one of the chapters um, on the, the pearls of advice, the expert tips of advice, it's called the cover your eyes so you can see test. It's not specific for glaucoma, but it's a very simple test that people can do to potentially pick up an eye condition or eye problem that should be checked by a thorough eye exam. If you cover one eye and look straight ahead and you see as you're seeing, and then cover the other eye, look straight ahead. If there's a big difference between the two eyes in terms of how well you see, then that's a red flag that you need to get your eyes examined if they haven't been already. Absolutely. Um, and that one we can do at home, so that's, that's nice. So this all can, you know, I, I feel like it can be really confusing to folks. Um, can you briefly talk about, you know, so we know how important eye exams are. And, you know, even reminding your family about eye exams. 
But once you're either a suspect or you've been diagnosed, can you discuss a little bit about the importance of um, the follow-up appointments and understanding how important they are? Yeah. So when it comes to glaucoma, understand that glaucoma is a chronic disease, okay? Once you've been diagnosed with it, the diagnosis doesn't go away. It's either stable or it's progressing, okay? And so in order to try to stay on top of it, one needs to follow up regularly in order to make sure that things are stable. For example, let's say you're being treated for glaucoma and you're on a certain eye drop regimen and your doctor says, oh, everything's fine and stable. I'll see you back in three months. And let's just say life happens. Okay, for example, let's just say, you know, unfortunately, like when COVID happened, people were like, oh, I'm seeing fine and I'm taking my drops and everything's okay. But what happens if you come back and unfortunately, instead of three months, you come back in two years? It's very possible that things could have changed with your glaucoma. Maybe your drops weren't working as well. Maybe in reality, you weren't taking them as often as you should. Maybe um, the glaucoma just got more aggressive. If change happens, unfortunately, we cannot reverse and try to pick up back what was lost. We can only try to work on, from that point forward, trying to prevent any further loss of vision. So it's extremely important for patients to understand the reason why we have you come in to get checked periodically is because we want to stay on top of your glaucoma and make sure it's staying stable. And we need to evaluate it with certain tests that are repeated in order to see if there's any change. And if there is change, then that will alert us that maybe we need to be more aggressive with our treatment or maybe we need to change the treatment. Sometimes medication in the eye over time, they can start to not work as well. Sometimes certain treatments like light energy laser treatments, they work for a certain period of time and then start to wear off and they need to be repeated. Sometimes with certain surgeries, the same thing. They may be working well for a certain period of time and then over time they can, there could be scarring that occurs or changes in, the, in the, um, the, the glaucoma that make it such that you still need additional treatment. We can't know that unless we look inside the eye and do our certain tests in order to be able to evaluate for that. So normally a person who is stable with glaucoma, it can depend on how, how, um, how advanced their disease is. If it's a very mild disease, maybe I might see a patient every three to six months. Um, if it's a, a disease that's um, more uh, moderate to advanced, I might need to see them every three to four months. If there's somebody who is um, just a suspect, I typically see them back about once a year. So there's need for following up regularly in order for us to check on your eyes. And remember, it's your eyes that we're trying to take care of and you want to keep seeing. So there's a certain responsibility on the patient's part to make sure that they keep up with their eye exam. And, you know, life isn't perfect. There are times where uh, an eye appointment might have to be canceled, but it shouldn't be the patient's thought that, oh, if I canceled the appointment and they haven't called me yet, I'll just wait until they call, call me. No. Remember, you're taking care of your eyes. And if something fell through the cracks, you say, no, 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 I need to call and make sure I make my appointment because my doctor said I need to be checked regularly. So I need to get in and I need to be seen. So you need to make that call sometimes if the doctor system sometimes fails. So 
it's your eyes again, and you want to make sure you take care of it. These are kind of the things I say in my book, real-world talk, because life is not always perfect, but we need to be our own advocates sometimes and make sure we're fighting for our vision. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's so easy to let things slide like that, but knowing that you're literally saving your vision, I think, is very important, you know, to have in the forefront of your mind. Um, I want to touch on something else you said in the book, um, and I really love how you put this, um, partnering with your doctor, you know, in, in regarding that self-advocacy. Um, talk about um, a little bit of that concept uh, about the doctor-patient relationship, if you can. Yeah, I think that it's really important for you to find a good doctor who treats your glaucoma that you trust. And trust is so important because if for any reason you are a little bit skeptical about the doctor, you may not do the treatment plan that they have suggested for you. And I understand that sometimes um, one might even need to get a second opinion. Um, even sometimes I've had patients get a third opinion before they find that right doctor or they get their answer satisfied. And that's fine. It's your eyes. So you need to do what you need to do to feel comfortable. But once you've established a good relationship with a doctor, it's important for you to always be honest, okay, and speak up. We can't, um, we sometimes we don't know if something is a good plan for you unless you tell us if there's an issue. So, for example, if someone takes an eye drop that I prescribe and they go to the pharmacy, and the pharmacy says that that eye drop is going to cost them $200. Now, ah, I can't spend $200 on medication. And they then just don't take it. And they wait another three months until they're seen again. Well, guess what? There's another alternative. And if I had known that that was a problem, I would have quickly switched you to something else that's better covered by your insurance. Unfortunately, right. we don't know insurance and sometimes one insurance is better than another and it's hard for us to know but if there's a problem just reach out and communicate and call the, the office talk to triage triage will get to the doctor oh that medicine doesn't work what's an alternative let me try this one this one is another this one we'll see if this one is covered by, better by the insurance okay or let's say um, you're using a drop and the drop irritates your eye or makes your eye red and you have to have a meeting and you have to present, and you don't want your eye to be red. So you don't use the drop whenever you have meeting. Well, guess what? Your pressures might be going up in your eye when you're not using the drop, and that's making your glaucoma worse, and that's not good. So you need to communicate with your doctor that my eye does this when I use the drops, and is there any other alternative? Because there's often other alternatives. There's other drops, preservative-free drops, there's light energy treatments, there's stained release medication now, and there's other technologies within the surgical world that are minimally invasive. So there's usually many more options to be able to consider other than just the one that the doctor told you that's still also a good option, okay? So communicating with the doctor creates a way for us to give you the best individualized plan in order to take good care of your eyes. And it's good to be honest because let's say, for example, you're having trouble remembering to use your drops or the regimen is too heavy, and you're saying, yes, you're doing your drops, but your testing is showing that things are getting worse, and I say, okay, let me add more drops. Well, that's not helping the problem, okay? But if you tell me it's too much for me, I consider other alternatives, then maybe there's another way. 
that makes sense. Um, I just want to mention to the audience, we will have future chats that go over, you know, more in depth the different types of treatment for glaucoma. Um, and we've, Dr. Okeke has given us a good overview today. Um, I believe next month we'll be talking about minimally invasive surgery um, and some other things along those lines um, that are options as well. So I don't want you to feel like you're not going to get that information. Um, and I guess kind of in summary on that, uh, Mary Kay wrote in a question um, online right now, how can I prevent glaucoma from getting worse? And so it really is, I think you just kind of described it with those follow-ups and self-advocating. That's the best way, you know, in communicating if, if something's not working for you, you know, and if you stay on that treatment, um, and stay up on your visit, there's a much better chance that you don't lose as much sight. Is that essentially right? Yes. Um, so you need to get into a good care with the doctor. Um, that doctor needs to establish um, a good treatment plan for you. And questions that you can ask your doctor are, am I at target? Because usually we establish a target pressure um, for you. Am I at target? Do my tests look stable? I mean, those are the kinds of um, pieces of information that you want to get each time you go to the doctor's office. And, um, you know, asking those questions and following up, making sure you're doing your, your job to follow up and adhere to the regimen uh, to your, the best of your ability. And if there's a problem, communicate that with your doctor. Those are the ways in order to do your best to protect your vision. And also educate yourself. Keep, you know, there's a lot of resources. There's my book, but there's also um, resources of, um, from Bright Focus, like you're doing here, to listen to these chats. Uh, there's ways to get more information so you can uh, keep learning about um, the condition and feeling empowered to, that you're doing all that you can in order to just take good care of your eyes. Absolutely. Um, I can't believe we're starting to run down the clock. I feel like we could talk about this um, for more than just 45 minutes. Um, <laughs> I think that the last one that I'll close with um, is, and this can take a couple of minutes, I mean, we're not literally running out of time. Um, you have a chapter in your book dedicated um, to or called Expert Tips to Prevent, Prevent Blindness. Um, and I was hoping you could share just two or three of those. I know you mentioned the um, eye test with your hand earlier, but what are some of those pearls that would be easy to digest today? Yeah, I would um, say one is uh, take glaucoma seriously. Uh, there's a, a um, definition that I actually like so much I put it in a, on a, on a uh, poster on my wall that says uh, glaucoma is the eye see just fine, but I could go blind if I don't take this eye condition seriously, okay? Take glaucoma seriously. Do the things that you need to do to stay on top of your eyes because the sad thing is, is that if glaucoma is left untreated or caught in late stages, things could happen where your, your independence is taken away or reduced in a way where it's, it's, it's very um, discouraging, okay? Taking it seriously um, means that you have the, chance, the best chance in order to be able to keep seeing so you can have a productive and healthy and happy um, life with functional vision that allows you to keep doing the things that you want to do. Uh, another tip is to have hope and not despair. Sometimes people hear the terms that glaucoma and they just think that, oh, I'm going to go blind. We have, we are in such a wonderful time of technology advancement in the world of glaucoma. 
so many things have been happening over the last 10 years and continuing now on an explosive way of being able to better take care of uh, glaucoma disease compared to where we were about 15, 20 years ago. And so there's, and there's also research that's being done in order to look for a cure and we're getting closer. We're not there yet, but we're getting closer to the point where I'm very, I'm very, uh, um, I feel very confident that it was in my lifetime that we will be able to find a cure. So one needs to have hope and believe that if you're in care and you're doing what you need to do, the likelihood of you not going blind is there. Okay, it's very high. And so have hope and not despair. And then also make sure that you get support. Um, sometimes glaucoma can be a very isolating kind of condition and it's important to um, share with others, whether that's um, getting encouragement like there's another section of my book called Real World Advice that I had mentioned, or even when you go to your eye exams, uh, a lot of my glaucoma patients, they actually um, get encouragement from the people in the, in the patient waiting area because they often talk to each other about um, their condition, giving each other encouragement about the doctor that they're going to be seeing or the procedure that they might have to do. Um, I, I've had a lot of um, feedback from even just those interactions, but uh, finding good support uh, group is uh, groups or avenues is important. And then one other pearl uh, that is not always shared is keep your medical records. You know, the system of us referring uh, records from one place to another is good, but sometimes uh, you might not get those records there in time. And especially if you're moving, it's okay to ask for certain um, records in order to be able to just have on your person so that you can share with the next person that you're going to be seeing, uh, especially the most recent um, clinical exam notes um, that uh, kind of give a highlight of where you were and also information about where your targets are. Um, those kind of pieces of information are really valuable um, and can be shared. And I, I, again, discuss that a little bit more detail in the book. Absolutely. It's, it's wonderful. And um, we thank you so much for, for all of this. Um, I think it's really digestible and, and easy to follow. And it might even seem, you know, like something that we should know. But all of the things you outlined are things that we typically do forget to do for different types of conditions. So this has been really, really helpful. And you can always reach us at www.brightfocus.org backslash stop glaucoma. Um, and that's actually a special URL for our Glaucoma Awareness Month campaign. So you'll, you'll be directed exactly to a lot of glaucoma information there. Um, again, in honor of Glaucoma Awareness Month, remember to schedule those eye exams and remind your family to do the same. Our next glaucoma chat will be on Wednesday, February 8th, 2023, and we will be discussing new frontiers in glaucoma surgeries. So to close out today, Dr. Okeke, I think this made us all feel very empowered to take control of not just our eye care, um, but our, our glaucoma diagnosis and what to do next. Um, so before we conclude, do you have any final remarks you'd like to share with the audience? I just want to encourage um, you to uh, make sure you talk to your family about glaucoma. Uh, sharing is caring. And also, I uh, encourage you to uh, check out my book. Um, as I mentioned, I feel like it's my gift to the world. I've had 
wonderful comments on everyone who's read it from someone who was newly diagnosed to people who've had glaucoma for 20 plus years. There are pearls that um, can help you to live your best life, to encourage you, to make you feel enlightened, and to give you tools for deeper dives when you're ready to take on uh, more uh, information. So I, um, I, I'm I pray that it's an um, opportunity for people to help prevent blindness, and um, it's something that I want you to share uh, with others um, so that, um, again, sharing means caring. And um, I am thankful for the opportunity to have shared this information with you. Uh, I love educating, and if I've empowered you, uh, that makes me feel very pleased. Thank you. That's wonderful. I have a very quick um, result from our poll, and I think your message hit home because 89% said they're very likely to share this information and it reminds their loved ones to get a, um, their eyes examined. So we're doing a great awesome. job, and I love what you said about being an advocate for yourself, staying positive, and know that much of this is in your control, and it's all about the follow-up and, and how, you, how you manage everything once you're diagnosed. Um, so with that, this concludes the Bright Focus chat about glaucoma. Thank you again for joining us. The information provided in this recording is a public service of Bright Focus Foundation and is not intended to constitute medical advice. Please consult your physician for personalized medical, dietary, and or exercise advice. Any medications or supplements should only be taken under medical supervision. Bright Focus Foundation does not endorse any medical products or therapies.